Ladies and gentlemen, I don't really have much on my mind as I do this intro. Um, the only things on my mind are the election and what is the best soup? Because <laughs> I just had some bang ass chicken soup. Here's the public enemy's Chuck D. Bring the noise. Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you've all had a good week. Uh, it's been it's been one of those weeks for me where where um, I don't know if you guys have these, but you know when you have things coming up, not this week, but like the next week, and all you think about in the week prior to those events are those particular you know. Are those particular events? You just spend the whole week thinking about next week. You know, that's what I'm feeling right now. It's just, it's just one of those odd feelings where I can't really, I can't really think about my past week because you know it's been alright. It's been productive, I guess. Um, uh, some things missed here and there, but uh, writing wise, I'm happy. Um, I finished my finished writing my songs list, and that was f- freaking long. <laughs> It's about 6k words, so over two days, that was fun. And, uh, yeah, 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 and other, and other writing stuff is going okay. Um, could be better, honestly, but um, I'm, I'm just doing alright. But yeah, this, I don't know, I just can't stop thinking about <laughs> what's going to happen after this show. And uh, you probably understand why in uh, the overall context of where I live, but apart, but personally as well, it's just, uh, you know, it's just a, a lot riding <laughs> it's just a lot riding so uh uh yes yeah, this is just one of those just one of those weeks where you can't really think about your past week that you just had you just keep thinking about what's happening in the future in the near future anyway and that's kind of where i'm at but anyway uh apart from that it's been okay i'm happy i'm healthy um you know i have a bit of a, a, bit, of a bit of a sniffles here and there but you know so <sighs> we're getting a new boiler so um that's that's only gonna help <laughs> I don't know why I do this small talk sometimes, it's so dumb, but anyway, uh, let's get on to the show, uh, before, May's, before we begin, we have the email, we have the Twitter, we have the IG, and we also have the Facebook as well, we also have the Discord community, uh, that's all in the links, uh, links in the description below as well, uh, be sure to follow What's Good and all the other 5EPN shows, including The Surge of Source, including Digging the Digits, all on where you listen to podcasts. We are everywhere. We are ever-present. We, <laughs> we we own your phones. We are everywhere. <laughs> oh, boy. I've been reading some George Orwell. Sorry. Apologies for that. But anyway. Actually, I'm not going to apologise for reading George Orwell. Dude's a boss. But anyway. Um, you know what we're going to get into? Uh... We're going to get some election stuff. I've got three life topics and one music topic. Um, so you kind of, uh, you can kind of see where I'm going to go. Uh, but on the other hand, it's going to be quite, di- it's going to be quite, the, the life topics are quite wide ranging, I think. Uh, and the music topic, the music topic. So, you know, so I think it's going to be good. But anyways, let's get into it regardless. Let the beat drop. And let's get into the show. In a week where 
Anthony Joshua goes the distance with Andy Reese and wins back his World Boxing title. Now, at the point in time, I was actually recording another show. I was recording Digits at the time, so I was kind of uh, glued to Twitter uh, just to, to see how it was going. Because some people like to live tweet that kind of stuff. Um, not many people were this time, but uh, there, were, there were a couple of people keeping me keeping me afloat. So I, I was I was happy with that. And uh, yeah, so you know, I, I I've only seen clips here and there. I've seen the whole fight or whatever, so I can't really. Uh, give any you know analysis of it because <laughs> actually funny story um shout out to my boy dave because uh he watched the fight with his mates uh, up in up in lincoln and um i asked him i asked him straight away i said who is that guy now what do i mean by that guy i think you know what i mean by that guy i mean that guy that watches boxing matches or bo- boxing fights and Oh, and and, because, and thinks he's a boxing expert, even though he's watched only probably I don't know three fights a year. You know, he's he's that guy. What guy? That guy. He is that guy. And uh, he 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 said to me, "Who who is that guy in this group?" And I was like, disappointed, disappointed, absolutely disappointed. Everyone, every group, every group that watches uh, that watches a boxing match, they, there is always that person, always that guy. What guy? That guy. Always that guy. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, Sydney air quality plummets after days of bushfires. Uh, you can go listen to Ding Digital latest episode uh, for that uh, during the lighter note, because obviously my homie Ben lives in Sydney, and obviously uh, those are uh, definitely, I guess, affected by those. So uh, shout to him. Uh, Russia is banned from 2020 Olympics and 2022 FIFA World Cup. Now, see, see, guys, see, this is what you call action. This is what you call action, okay? So, remember when I was talking about all that racism stuff in football? This is what you call action. Banning countries from tournaments. This is what I mean. Because they don't learn their lesson unless they get banned from the sports they are trying to cheat on. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Good. Shout out to the uh, World Daily Doping Agency for all this. Because that is a smackdown and a half. And I'm here for it. I'm here for it. They 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 clearly cheated in the Sochi Olympics or 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 tampered, I guess, in that in that fashion. I haven't seen like a full report or anything. Um, so yeah, I can't really say whether it's uh, like straight up cheating or just like tampering or whatever. Don't know the specifics, but I know they're banned, and I'm completely fine with that. Completely fine with that. I've obviously uh, I'm obviously clued up on what happened in, uh, on the athletics side, and uh, they rightly got banned uh, in the past couple of years for that as well. And, you know, just as a country in the Olympics and the World Cup, I'm completely fine with it. Completely fine with it. If if if, if you keep doing this, all, fuck it, all your sports suffer. Why not? Why, why not? If you're going to keep, if you're going to keep it up, just keep up, just keep up the ante and just keep banning them. If they want to keep cheating, keep cheating. It's all good. Go do your things. And, you know, obviously um, in athletics case, they, uh, they, they let certain athletes in. Um, as a authorized neutral athlete, um, which means they're not exactly you know participating for Russia. They don't have Russia on their chest. Um, it's just like um, you know, it's just a, it's basically a neutral. It's neutral. It's just white um, when they're when they're in next, uh, white flag next to their name. So yeah, it's just kind of like just stripped of of uh, that um, national identity. I guess in that case, that sounds very dark, but <laughs> that's basically what it is. And yeah, you know, obviously some so there'll be some Russian athletes in the Olympics. Um, obviously not the World Cup because that doesn't apply. But in the Olympics, there will be unauthorized neutral athletes, and uh, yeah, the, the, most of them will be Russian. And um, you know, the, and that's that's fine. 
You know, if 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 certain athletes can prove their innocence, then by all means, obviously appeal on that front, on an individual front. But as a country, nah, go fuck yourself. To be honest, go fuck yourself. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, five people die and eight go missing after a volcano erupts at Wakari White Island, New Zealand. Uh, U.S. House Democrats drop articles of impeachment against Trump. And, you know, they actually went pretty light on those articles of impeachment. I think the two was like um, uh, high crimes and misdemeanors and abuse of public office. I think that was it. Um, they could have done instruction of justice. Like, they could have done a few more, to be honest, but they only did two. So they're, only, they're being real soft on that front. And uh, Greta Thunberg has been named Times uh, Magazine's Person of the Year. But we get into music. I'm going to start with music simply because it's been on my mind for a few days. And this is this is just going to be a straight-up rant, to be honest. Um, I have no nothing to read other than just, like, particulars on what happened. Um, so we'll get into that when I get into that. But I want to talk about um, the death of Juice World, And not just the death of Juice World. to be completely honest. Um, I think we can all, you know, have... Uh, be sad of the fact that a 21-year-old died from, uh, well, we don't really know the cause of death at the moment, obviously, there needs to be, like, you know, autopsy and a toxicology report specifically, but, um, you know, apparently he was on a private jet, something like that, and um, he was, he was like, ill, and uh, police were, like, tipped off uh, that he had, like, you know, um, I think, like, guns or, or drugs with him in his possession on the private plane, so they were waiting for him. Uh, I think he was given Narcan uh, 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 after he woke up, woke up to convulsions or something like that. So yeah, it's a you know it's it's a, it's, a, it's obviously a bit um, hazy in terms of what's actually happened at the moment. Um, and because of that, I won't get into it specifically. But what I do want to get into is the overall conversation about drugs in hip hop at the moment. Um, I talked about this on Digging Digits a few episodes ago, um, basically just a whole drugs episode and we talked about it in detail, um, so if you want to go listen to that, please go listen to that, that's the thing I think is very informative on that front uh, in terms of the whole conversation, but just to put it simply, for me personally, um, I can't, I, I honestly can't really, you know, obviously I can't relate to these particular deaths, you know, Juice World, Lil Peep, um, and others, Mac Miller, I guess, in a, in a way, um, I can't relate to these personally, because I don't do those kind of drugs, <laughs> I, I, I don't, you know, it's, it's just, it's just straight up, and most of us can't relate, you know, um, most of us don't do lean, you know, it's not exactly, it's popping in uh, hip-hop circles, but, you know, nobody, nobody I know does lean, that I know of, um, you know, it's it's just one of those things I can't. When I when I saw it, um, I, I basically just like hopped on Instagram right quick just to look at a message that I got on my phone when I was walking the dog, and uh, yeah, you know, I just saw it straight up. It was like first thing on the homepage. It was just like Juice World died twenty one. I'm like, shit, but damn, okay. Um, and then I just you know, now not to be glib, but I went about my day. Um. I've had a few conversations with people um, that have had opinions on this. Um, shout out to the Central Source crew. Had a couple of um, back and forth with them. Uh, a couple of them. And, you know, my whole opinion on drugs and hip-hop is very simple, to be honest. Um, there comes a time where you just have to um, see 
your music consumption and your consumption of anything to be honest like I've, I've said it I've said it before and I'll say it again you the, you are what you eat and that completely uh, goes with music consumption TV consumption film consumption any consumption of art reading what what newspapers you read it all matters it all matters you are what you eat if you're reading the sun you're a dickhead <laughs> you know what I mean it's just it's just how it's just you know it is what it is um, if you're either Guardian like me, you're a twat, <laughs> you know what I mean, and I'm obviously being very, uh, jokey about that, but I truly believe that you are what you eat, not just in a food sense, but, and what you drink as well, but what you consume, and what you look at on a day-to-day basis, affects who you are, and is, and, and makes you who you are, in a, in a way, you know, nature versus nurture kind of debate, you know, and I believe a lot of nurture comes into it, especially when you are, you know, um, it doesn't even matter what age, obviously teenagers and, um, you know, young young adults is obviously a, is obviously a very um, moulding stage, but people can get influenced at 40, 50, 60, yada, yada, you know, people's, people's lives change, you know, it's just how it goes. But um, what I mean by this um, is that if you're listening to music hip-hop music in particular where you know they're just talking about taking perks talking about taking xanax talking about sipping lean you know there might come a time where you go somewhere house party concert whatever you know there might come a time when you go somewhere you might meet some people and they like the music you like. But they've taken it one step further. And they're taking the certain things that you enjoy. <sighs> now, I feel like you guys probably know where I'm going to go with this. And I want to kind of just throw in the conversation of, like, you know... There are other hip-hop conversations that we have had that w- over the years as a, as a culture, I guess. Um, you know, misogyny... Uh, gun crime, in particular in Britain, knife crime, stuff like that, you know, where you can, you can make a case for some artists, not all, but some, glorify these particular things, you know, they, they glorify smacking up a bitch, they, they glorify shooting up a dude, they glorify shanking a dude, they glorify taking perks, zans, sipping lean, you know, it's all in the same conversational bubble, but I have a problem with this in particular, and for, and you know I have a problem with you know all of it to some degree. Um, but I feel like this one is just more. It's just let it, it. It seems more volatile because it's a it's a recent thing, but yet not a recent thing. Obviously, people like. Um, uh, DJ Screw died at the early, uh, uh, the earlier turn of the cent- early part of the century um, for stuff like this lean, you know, and now we're seeing youths dying from the exact same thing. You know, it can be a case of people not learning their history, sure, of course, but it's also a case of, in my opinion, what you listen to. You know, I I I I really hate. I, I weirdly, weirdly hate doing this, 
um, bring this particular point up. But I kind of have to. Because the popularity of Future as an artist in the past decade has been astronomical. Like, commercially, same levels as Nicki Minaj, Drake, all of them, right? He's on he's on that pedestal from a commercial standpoint, okay? And that can't be denied. That's facts. That's figures, right? You can't tell me that he has no influence. Now, I had this conversation with, um, with uh, uh, like I said, uh, people from uh, Central Source, shout to them. And, you know, a couple of them were going... You know, when he when when uh, there was a time when like Future met Juice World, um, and, and like before Juice World popped, popped off, uh, um, popularity wise, and he said like, you know, I I I I did uh, I did drugs that you talked about, you know, truly because I was listening to your music, right? And apparently Future was um thrown off by that. Now, I don't want to say that Future's an evil person. He probably isn't. But a bare minimum, he's a fucking idiot. A bare minimum, he's a fucking idiot. Walk with me. Because if you're telling me, and, you know, some of them did tell me, that Future, you know, doesn't, he obviously doesn't do this music to infect the minds of the youth. You know what I mean? No no, no ice does that. No ice does that. You know, if you, if you look at... Uh, metal artists back in back in the day in America, um, uh, NWA and them back in the eighties uh, and nineties, whatever, you know, and and future now, right? Or any or anything you can consider negative in in music, uh, materialism, you know, and all, all that stuff, right? You know, those obviously those things are hazy, but um, you can see positives and negatives in those. But even in this, right? Obviously, Future isn't um, doing music to poison the youth, quote-unquote. <laughs> you know, obviously, he isn't doing that, right? So, what does that leave? That leaves the potential that he's just ignorant to his power. And I've said this in many forms um, over the years, but I'm going to say this just straight up now. In my opinion, ignorant evil is worse than a purposeful evil. By that I mean, it's Donald Trump's worse because he's an ignorant evil, right? He doesn't see what's going on in the border. He doesn't see what happens when, and you know, this comes for any any uh, president or prime minister in the G8 or whatever. If they if they go, if you're a prime minister and you go bomb a country, or you give guns to Saudi Arabia, and they go and kill people at Yemen, right? Boris Johnson and them ain't seeing that. Okay, that in a way is an ignorant evil. But then you see people behind them that actually make those proposals, and you know, and if you want to really go, really want to go all the way back, you know, to their manifest destiny way uh, days, that is a purposeful evil. Those are, I don't want to say better, but those are the the, the least worst because you know they're evil. You know they are terrible. You know exactly what their motives are. And you know what is wrong with them. Right? Ignorant evil is the worst. Because they don't know their intent. They don't know what what the waves they kick up. They don't know the waves they kick up. Future seen Juice World say to him a few years ago that I did lean because uh, I listened to your music. 
I, I was specifically influenced by your music and I did drugs because of it, right? And he was like, whoa, I didn't know that. I didn't know that kids did lean because of my music. Do you realise how fucking ignorant that is and how dangerous that is? And it's the same with, you know, I don't want to get too far off, but it's the same with stan culture as well, where, you know, you see Nicki Minaj fans and Taylor Swift fans, Beyonce fans, any any stans that you want to bring up, right? They, they can, they, they have literally cyber bullied people, okay? And, you know, let's call it what it is, call it spade a spade. Stan culture is, can be, can potentially be cyber bullying. That's, that's what it is, right? Artists, some artists go there and they go like, I didn't know my fans of this did did this, or are they aware of it and they just don't care? Which sounds worse to you, the fact that they didn't know their fans or the fact that they did know their fans, and they just left it as is. That's up to you to think about. But I just don't really understand how you can. Uh, you, there there are some artists that perpetuate these norms and they don't see the negative effects of it you know future's just one artist i don't want to put it all on future and i don't want to put juice world's death on the future i'm not saying that at all i know it sounds like i am but i think it's a you know it's it's a reason it's not the sole reason but it's like 10 percent of the reason majority of it the rest of it is just his people and the industry and his uh, label just allowing it you know, if you're if you're if you're if you're a music label, and you have people that are talking about these kind of drugs and whatever, right? Sure, go do, if you if you really want to go perpetuate that that uh, that that life, go do it. Sure. But he died because of it. Well, I don't want to say that. allegedly, toxicology toxicology report and all that. Obviously, wait waiting on that. But he died, in all impossibly. Because he did the drugs that he talked about. And where was his people for this? You know, it, 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 is, that, is, that a, is that a prerequisite? Maybe this is a whole extended conversation on how to be real. Is he a real one because he took the drugs he was talking about? You know? And do we care about that? Should we care about that? You know? So, you know, RP Juice World. Um it's unfortunate, you know. It's like it's probably one of the first times where I've like uh, uh, uh there's like a dude that's died younger than me and I'm just like hmm that is weird. <laughs> I've re- I've already had those moments, but now I'm starting to get those moments. Um but yeah, it's unfortunate, but I feel like there's a whole conversation here with drugs and with perpetuating these negative things that aren't positive at all, right? And it doesn't seem like a necessity either. At least with uh, NWA and them, that was their life. That was like government perpetuated. You know, crack didn't come into Los Angeles via some black people. You know, that's... I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound conspiracy theorist, but that ain't, that, that ain't, that ain't the way it happened, <laughs> Okay? Some of you were just willingly taking these drugs, and that's just why, 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 why? And you know, maybe I'm being ignorant on that front, probably, and maybe I need to be educated on why some people take them. Maybe I do, but 
regardless of that, RB Juice World, there needs to be a bigger conversation. And, you know, I feel like I've only scratched the surface, to be completely honest. I could have gone a little further, but uh, I'll, just, I'll just leave it there and we will move on. So we move on to our first of three live topics, and uh, I wanted to talk about the Oval 4. Now, I personally have never heard of the Oval 4 until a few days ago. Um, and I don't know if people my age know about the Oval 4. Um, I, pu- I know that pe- people uh, probably my dad's age uh, probably definitely know who the Oval 4 are, um, because this is, this is back in the day, this is like in the 70s, okay, this particular story. And it's just come to now in terms of how it's how the book has finally closed on it. So um, there's a little story, uh, uh, like recap of what happened uh, in the in the particular arc I'm going to read. So that's good. And uh, I think it's just an uh, an overall conversation of um, you know justice, excuse me, and the the justice system in the UK. You know, obviously we can regularly talk about um, you know stuff like uh, the Exonerate 5 in the in the US, uh, stuff, people like those. There's many cases like those in America, but we rarely talk about the ones in the UK, and I think the Oval 4 is a good um, place to start, I guess, in terms of learning about these kind of things. And, uh, oh yeah, if you're wondering why I'm not doing the Golden Globes, um, fuck the Golden Globes, because um, they didn't nominate the When They See Us for anything. And that is just egregious. That's just egregious. So, you know what? I read it. I saw the nominations. I was like, you know what? I don't care. I just straight up don't care. I don't care about the Golden Globes this year. Go fuck yourself, to be honest. But anyway, we should get on to this. Uh, this is over four men jailed uh, in 1972, cleared by Court of Appeal in London. This is by Duncan Campbell via The Guardian. So let's get into it. Three men who were convicted nearly 50 years ago on the evidence of a corrupt police officer uh, have finally had their names cleared by senior judges. Upholding an appeal against conviction by Winston True, Sterling Christie and George Griffiths, who, with Constantine uh, Boucher, uh, were part of the Oval Four. The Lord Chief Justice, Lord Burnett, told them, quote, Our regret is that it had taken so long for this injustice to be remedied, unquote. The men were arrested in March 1972 by a group of undercover police officers at Oval Underground Station and accused of, quote, nicking handbags. On the tube, uh, they were beaten in the police cells and then charged with attempting to steal, theft, and assault the police. After a five-week-old Bailey trial, at which none of the supposed theft victims uh, appeared, and the police relied on highly disputed confessions, quote unquote, uh, all four were convicted and jailed for two years. The arrests occurred when mugging was a high-profile issue and routinely blamed on young black men. The defendants became known as the Oval Four, and the case became uh, a cause célèbre. Célèbre? It's French, I know it's French, but uh, uh, célèbre. Uh, with demonstrations and marches in South London, where the men lived. Judy Khan QC for the ap- for the appellants uh, dr- uh, described the case as unprecedented, and told the court that Derek Ridgewell, the detective sergeant in the British uh, British Transport Police, who had led the stri- uh, led the arrests had himself been jailed after his conviction in 1978 of conspiracy to steal mailbags. Huh, funny. Uh, she said the case had been referred to the Court of Appeal by the Criminal Cases Review Commission, whose case worker Anona Bisping, um, yeah, Anona Bisping had carried out thorough and detailed work. The Crown Prosecution Service supported the appeal. Both True and Christie, 69, 
Ha. Uh, attended the case with their families and Herb Burnett, sitting with Miss Justice uh, McGowan and Sir Roderick Evans. Declared their convictions as unsta- unsustainable. Uh, Griffiths, 67, who loud as abroad, was not present because of family commitments and Boucher had not yet been traced. Outside court, a, delight, a delighted true said, quote, I have lived with this case for every day of my life and I have never given up, unquote. He said we will celebrate by never having to think of that man Ridgewell again. That man didn't just steal mailbags, he stole lives. His wife Hyacinth said, now I can exhale. The chair of the CCRC, uh, Helen Pitcher, said, quote, We are delighted with for Miss True, uh, Miss Christie, uh, Mr. Christie, Mr. True. I've, I've said Miss so many times, I don't even realise it. Mr. True, Mr. Christie, and Mr. Griffiths. And pleased that the court uh, agreed with our assessment and the misconduct of D.S. Ridgewell uh, rendered the convictions unsafe. It is a good example of what we do at the CCRC. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a lot there's a lot more to this article and uh, I think it's generally worth a read if you want to learn about these uh, these four um, I, f- I found it utterly fascinating to be honest because I never heard of it I never heard of it until until recently like the only the only case I can bring up with genuine you know confidence um, in terms of like you know police injustice is uh, Stephen Lawrence and that was what 25 years ago something like that it's, 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 it's been a while um and I feel like there's probably been many, 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 many more like this. And I find it, I find it funny how the you know CCRC is just like patting themselves on the back when it's taken nearly fifty years after like the actual incident itself. That's a bit. Come on, you 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 can't you can't pat yourself on the back after fifty years of it. Come on, it's just it's a it's a that's a bit silly. It's not really worth a pound the back. Oh, congratulations, guys. You know what? We d- we did good right here. It took us 50 years to do it, but I'm glad we got there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit silly. But obviously, um, obviously, this particular story isn't like as, a, uh, as film-ready, you know, as uh, the Exonerated Five are or any other, or, you know, even, or even Stephen Lawrence, to be honest. Um, and if you want to throw out Grenfell, you can as well. It's not, it's not exactly, you know... It's not exactly a, an amazing story, um, in, ter- in you know, quote unquote, but it's a very, in my mind, it's very fascinating because it's just a one of those cases where you see it, and you know, obviously, it was they were they were uh, victims of circumstance and victims of what the system were freaking out about at that point. Obviously, they were just freaking out about some, you know, obviously a a, a, a mugging, a, a rise in mugging. Uh, um, reports and all that and there's a lot of people getting mugged let's crack down on mugging hey those those are four black dudes let's get them yeah <laughs> it's it is they're they were victims of what the system were focusing on at that time and that's just high it's not it's not just highly unfortunate it's like it's just um it's kind of depressing so if you Obviously, the, re- the 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 flashpoint for this past couple of years has been knife crime. So, and you know, obviously, people don't carry knives on a regular. Um, but if you just so happen to have one, why? Your 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 uh, your sentencing is going to be much larger than it would be in in any other in any other decade. That's for damn sure. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or not. It doesn't sound like it does it really. Um, 
obviously, if the law is the law, then there should be, you know, um, confirmed, you know, do this, this many years, do this, this many years. But there are many, 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 many a time where there has been a rise in a particular crime or whatever, a burglary or, you know, mugging for the, in this case. And because of that, the next 10 years or whatever is purely reactionary and a crackdown can ruin people's lives, you know? Um, they they take special exceptions, I guess, because of the climate that it's in. It's very reactionary to me. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't really... I, I, I'm, I'm glad that, um, you know, I'm glad that the Oval Four finally um, got their, uh, uh, you know, innocence, you know, factually got their innocence. Um, don't really, don't really get what the CCRC are uh, patting, their, patting themselves on the back about um, in terms of how long it took. But, you know, I guess the job's done. And, uh, you know, I think it's a interesting thing to think about, I guess. Second of three life topics today, or this episode, uh, we are going to be talking about Mr. Fred Hampton. Now, uh, I I don't want to, like, explain who Fred Hampton is, because I feel like if you don't know who Fred Hampton is, uh, it's just just how it is, I think. I think you should uh, go look for yourself on who Fred Hampton is, and, uh, but in... In terms of explaining the significance of Fred Hampton, I saw an amazing, amazing Twitter thread uh, about him, and uh, it, I learned a lot from it. And you really learn that, you really get that from Twitter. So I feel like uh, something is, is significant upon the significance. So this is by uh, Michael Harriet, who is a senior writer at The Root, um, and he just goes in. He, he simply goes in. So I'm just gonna. Uh, read the tweets and um, there are going to be there are some uh, there are some uh, uh, what's the word um, <sighs> pictures that's the word Jesus Christ I don't know why it's going to be so <laughs> there are some pictures uh, displayed throughout um, and, uh, and the, the, a couple of pictures are like have like significant texts um, like letters and stuff like that so uh, I think it's really worth clicking the link down in the description where I've put the link of this uh, Twitter thread, and you should go read it yourself and uh, read the actual uh, the uh, accompanying media that he's put onto it. So uh, let's just let's just jump right in. So 50 years ago, December 4th, 1969, uh, Chicago cops killed 21-year-old Pan- uh, Black Panther Fred Hampton. Hampton's death wasn't just another police murder. Even more than MLK or Malcolm X, Hampton's murder might be the most important black assassination in U.S. history. Here is why. First of all, most people think they know about the Black Panthers, but they don't. For instance, everyone associates the Black Panther Party with Oakland. That's where it came from, right? And they were uh, they were about retaliation and violence, right? Zebra, you're already wrong. Uh, 1965, there, were, there was this young activist working down uh, in Lowndes, Lowndes County? Lowndes? Yeah, Lowndes County, Alabama, uh, Lowndes County is black as fuck. Seriously, even the dirt there is black. That's why they call it the Black Belt. Sometimes they call it the bloody Lowndes County because they lynched so many black people there. 
Even though Lowndes County is 80% black, after the Voting Rights Act passed in 65, there were literally zero registered voters in Lowndes County. Now, part of that was because when black people were in, in Lowndes County tried to register to vote, they mysteriously ended up dead. Some would contract this uh, weird magnetism to bullets and other others would mag uh, somehow end up with nooses around their necks. So this young activist with uh, the Student Nonviolence Coordinating Committee went down to register people to vote, but he wasn't going to fuck, uh, fuck around and end up dead. So he carried a gun with him as he founded the Lowndes County Freedom Organization and registered hundreds of black people to vote. During this time, the Alabama Democratic Party mascot was White Rooster, which might be the third most redneck mascot ever. Uh, he says the UNC Tar Heels, number two, and the Ohio State uh, Buckeye uh, is number one. And uh, I, won't, I won't get to that because that's just uh, funny stuff. But if you know what they, if you know what they are, it, 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 I, I feel the same way as It just seems it's like it's like a, it's like Neil Brennan's uh, Three Mics. He has this joke where like he goes. Uh, Sounds racist, but it isn't, and uh, it's kind of that. Anyway, uh, the, the young LCFO Prez hated uh, the white political party, so he created his own mascot and told the people that they had the right to defend themselves, and for inspira inspiration and self-affirmation, he got them to repeat a short chant slogan of affirmation. But he also got told black people, uh, he also told black people that they should arm themselves and register for guns. It worked. Thousands of black people in Lowndes County and all over Alabama registered. When the SNCC's president decided to run for Congress, the young organizer took over the SNCC. And that's how Stokely Carmichael replaced, it, replaced John, uh, Congressman John Lewis at the SNCC national president. As NCC, SNCC president, Carmichael toured his colleges telling people about the value of self-defense. He even named his conferences and after his uh, slogan of self-affirmation. In October 29th, 1966, he visited Berkeley College and met with a young group of students who held, held the same idea. Two of the students, Huey P. Newton and Bobby Seal, asked Carmichael if they could, if they used the LCFO mascot. Uh, they had already adopted Carmichael's uh, conference title and affirmation slogan into their ideology. That's when they became the Black Panthers, and that is why they say Black Power. The Black Panthers were adamantly opposed to police and conducted armed patrol of police. You know this outraged white folks and scared them, especially when they showed up en masse at the state house with guns. White people were like, nah, we can't have this. In response, California passed the Mulford Act, one of the strictest gun laws in America. The government who uh, signed the bill who were, was known as Ronnie, a pretty boy who did monkey movies, but this, uh, but his reaction would propel him into national promise and Rod as Ronald Reagan, protector of white people. Now, some of what, I've, uh, what I'm about to say will sound like a vast conspiracy theory, but every word of it is true. You don't have to take my word for it. In the 50s, Herbert Hoover started a counterintelligence program to quote prevent the rise of the black of a black messiah unquote and uh, discredit militant blacks. And there is also uh, some there is some uh, a letter uh, accompanying that particular tweet. In 1969, uh, Stokely Carmichael publicly denounced the Panthers. MLK was dead, Malcolm was dead, and in Chicago there was this young kid rising named Fred Hampton. When Hampton joined the Black Panthers, the feds were worried. He had nothing to do with violence. It really didn't have anything to do with the civil rights movement. They knew Fred Hampton was different. Like the others, Hampton started out with mainstream black organizations. By the time he was a teenager, he was organizing his own youth chapter of the NAACP, in his small Illinois suburb. In a single year, he had 500 members. If it sounds like hype, consider this. 
When Hampton attended his first BPP meeting in November 68, the FBI already had opened up a file on him a year earlier. His phone had been tapped for nine months. He, has been he had been designated as a key leader on the FBI's agitator index for five months. Fred was different. In six months, he had brokered a non-aggression pact with every gang in Chicago. He was teaching gang members the law. He upset the city hospital. He upset the city hospitals when he con uh, when convinced doctors to volunteer and give free medical care. But this isn't why he was dangerous. He was. He also got the gangs to shut down construction sites and other white-owned businesses unless they hired black workers. But this isn't why he was dangerous. In '68, Fred had an idea. He convinced the Chicago gangs to pull their money and start supporting black candidates. But this isn't why he was dangerous. Six months before his death, the charismatic Frampton organized a conference for the United Front Against Fascism, calling the conglomerate uh, the Rainbow Coalition. The group included black gangs, Puerto Rican gangs, and others. From July 8th, uh, 18th to 21st, 1969, people from across the U.S. attended the conference, including lawyers, politicians, and civil rights activists from all walks of life. They would all agree that, that all organizations would fight for black freedom. A few hundred people signed up. Psych. 5,000 people attended the conference, and they all reached conclusion that black liberation could only be achieved through self-armed defense, armed self-defense, and community patrol of police. But that wasn't why Hampton was dangerous. Brackets, I know what you're thinking. Just say it, nigga. I'm brackets. Uh, there was a group at the conference called the Young Patriots who adopted the Panthers' 11-point plan. The Puerto Rican Young Lords pro uh, promised sol solidarity, as did the Red Guard, a Chinese-American group. But here is uh, why this was a problem. Of the 5,000 people who were in attendance, most were white. Fred was creating a national coalition for, the, uh, for armed resist resistance against uh, racism. It would be the next phase in the civil rights movement, so here's what happened. Remember when I said Fred joined the Panthers in 68? Well, as soon as he joined, the FBI hired an informant named William O'Neill. O'Neill agreed to infiltrate the BPP. He eventually became Hampton's bodyguard. Now, how did that happen? Well, O'Neill fought valiantly in a gunfight against the Rangers. Uh, the Panthers would later discover that O'Neill had instigated the fight at the FBI's behest. Aside from trying to instigate rifts, O'Neill also rented an apartment for the Panthers. Uh, one FBI agent wondered why Hoover was so adamant about this. He complained that the BPP would, was just feeding kids. In response, Hoover threatened every, every FBI officer's job if they didn't stop Hampton. In November, Fred went to California. While he was there, BPP leaders asked him to be the national spokesperson. Meanwhile, back in Chicago, someone, cough, O'Neill, instigated an attack on the police. Even though Fred was literally halfway across the country, cops blamed him. On the night of December 3rd, he had just finished teaching a class on politics and law at a local church. He went back to the headquarters and fixed O'Neill dinner. And O'Neill fixed dinner. Fred laid down with his wife, who was nine months pregnant, and went to sleep mid-sentence. O'Neill had left, uh, but Mark Clark was guarding the door. Around 4am, police officers burst in and opened fire on Fred and the Panthers. They said it was a raid, but an investigation showed the police fired between 90 and 99 bullets, and the Panthers only fired one. Fred Hampton was dead at 21. No one was ever charged with his death until... Let me tell you about this white dude named John and his ride-or-die wife. They were not. Uh, they were like a not-racist Bonnie and Clyde. One night they would. Uh, they got an idea only white people would get. Uh, 
Um, he does have a uh, thing about Bonnie and Clyde, uh, but there's not no point getting into that. Uh, on the night of March 8th, 1971, uh, that during the legendary Ali Frazier fight, John, his wife, and their friends did something only white people would ever do. They broke into an FBI building. They stole thousands of pages of FBI documents and forwarded to newspapers around the country. No one would publish them until the Washington Post did. The papers revealed the existence of the FBI's counterintelligence program. This is how we know that the COINTELPRO was a real thing. If you want a, a little you know, film about that, you can go uh, watch Black Klansman. It's obviously a very... Um, little 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 dive into COINTELPRO, just a little side of it, obviously not the whole thing, but it's a little glimpse of it. Unless you're Boots Riley, who completely dismisses the whole thing and doesn't like the film at all. But we're not, <laughs> we won't get to that. Uh, this is how we know that the FBI tried to blackmail MLK into committing suicide, and there's also an associated letter with that, so go read that if you want. Uh, this is also how we know about Mark O'Neill. In those, thousands of pa- in those thousands of pages were revelations that Mark O'Neill had slipped a powerful drug into Fred Hampton's food that night. In those files was a map of the apartment where Fred Hampton was killed, uh, drawn by O'Neill. For years, everyone had blamed Fred Hampton's death on Cook County and the city of Chicago. When Hampton's family tried to say it was a conspiracy, a judge threw out the case. But after those files were released, the FBI essentially admitted that they co- coordinated Hampton's murder. The family won that uh, family won what was thought at that time to be the biggest civil rights judgment ever, and the world now had proof that the federal government had institu- instituted a secret program to stop every black movement for freedom and equality. But here the co- here's the coolest fucking thing of all. The people who committed the burglary were never caught, ever. They literally disappeared into the ether. They called themselves the Citizens Committee to investigate the FBI, which is the second whitest name for an organisation ever. The first is the Spice Girls. <laughs> On the night of the burglary, they called and made the statement, quote, These files will now be studied to determine, one, the nature and extent of surveillance and intimidation carried on by this office uh, of the FBI, particularly against groups and individuals working for a more just, humane and peaceful society too, to determine how much of the FBI's efforts are spent on relatively minor crimes by the poor and the powerless, instead of vest- investigating truly serious crimes such as war profiteering, monopo- monopolistic practices, institutional racism, dot dot dot. Finally, three, the extent of illegal practices by the FBI such as eavesdropping, entrapment and the use of provocateurs and informers. If we're not for these files, it would be easy to counter white people's arguments about black movements. We know they are despised. We see this exact same story repeat with Black Lives Matter and black identity extremism, quote-unquote. But now it is history and not a conspiracy theory. But how the fuck is Fred Hampton, Fred Hampton respond, responsible for uncovering this history? The reason those seven people got away with the break-in is because they were relatively unknown. We still don't know the identities of the three people involved. One was a physics professor, he was the mastermind, another was John's wife, another disappeared for 43 years. If they had ever come forward in 2017, uh, after the statute of limitations have expired, had expired, you wouldn't know who they were, but you would know John. John was a pastor and a professor at Temple. John was the one who called the press and gave a statement. He has a Wikipedia page. Uh, that's because John spent his time fighting racism. John was actually a freedom rider, and went to jail for trying to integrate a bus station in Little Rock. He was a member of CORE and the SNCC. John was a motherfucking G. 
<laughs> but John met a girl and had to settle down. They never stopped believing they had a fight for equality. Uh, John's wife was an activist too. They even took protest trips to the South to fight racism. But now he uh, he and his wife and kids... Uh, but he and his wife had kids. It was too uh, dangerous and violent. But sometimes John would feel would tell uh, about people about his nagging, nagging feeling he had. Since his days as a freedom rider, he'd always believed that people instigating anti-black violence were part of the government, but people thought he was a crazy conspiracy theorist. And when Fred Hampton died, John was devastated. He had met Martin Luther King, he knew Stokely Carmichael, he really felt like the government had killed the one. He knew it sounded crazy, there was no way for him to prove it. There was only one other person who felt this way, another professor named William Davis, uh, Davidon. Davidon was a motherfucking genius who also believed the government was spying on activists. Uh, Davidon was from Chicago and didn't work at temples. So how did he know John? Well, John and Bonnie, Bonnie uh, vowed to risk their freedom to oppose justice. While Davidon was an anti-war protester, but all the known conspirators... Uh, while Davidon was an anti-war protester, but all the known conspirators had one thing in common. They attended and pledged solidarity to the United Front against fascism. See, this is... See, the dude died when he was 21. The, the, that's unfucking believable All of that, all of those links, all of those threads, the dude, Fred Hampton, died when he was 21, and all of that was done. All of that. That is absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. What a story, and I actually think there's a uh, film coming up about Fred Hampton, so call call me on point. But boy, 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 that dude is the most f- one of the most fascinating people I've ever just heard of. Like just all of that work done in a few years. It's just it's unfathomable. It really is unfathomable. I can't comprehend. I found that story so fascinating. I hope you did too, honestly, because um. I, just, I, I don't know. I just, I'm just. It's rare I'm really lost for words. <laughs> but I'm genuinely lost for words. So, shout out to Fred Hampton and shout out to uh, Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> so, lastly, we are to in the last life topic. I want to read an article that Frankie Boyle wrote. Comedian Frankie Boyle, we, know, we all know him, some of us love him, uh, some hate him for some reason, I don't really know why anymore, um, but yeah, I just I just read it and I felt like it needed to be read because obviously as uh, on the day this episode of What's Good Drops is election day, um, we'll all be voting, hopefully, hope you all are voting, um, and obviously the days afterwards, after you listen to this, you guys know the result, and I don't, so, um, is how it is, for whatever result is, um, I, I, I generally don't know what is going to, what, what's going to happen, to be honest, um, you always, like, get a feeling, I, I think so, and I feel like I always get a feeling beforehand, like, what's going to happen, but I, I, I don't want to guess anymore, I can't guess anymore, I don't, I feel like I'm just trying to protect my sanity, not trying to guess and not trying to think about the result particularly. You know, I know what I want to happen. Um, I know what I feel like should happen 
not even as a you know you know not not individually but i just feel logically one thing should happen and the other shouldn't but i just don't want to i don't want to predict because i generally don't know but anyway let's talk about this because i just found it very entertaining and i thought it'd be a fun read to get into so uh frankie ball's election countdown you'll be praying they prorogue the next parliament okay and I'm not going to do it in Scottish, but you'll know Frankie Ball's voice, so you can try and you can try and interpret it in his voice if you want to, because I because I because I, I could definitely just hear his voice when I read this. Uh, as the body uh, politic convulses, as the abyss avoids our gaze, we near the end of another election at the behest of a political class that has paid as much attention to David Cameron's fixed terms as he did to people with emphysema slowly dying over a wood lathe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Christmas seems a strange time for a Tory government to call an election. Possibly they guessed it would be hard for Labour to sell hope in winter. Possibly they judged that goodwill to all men would be at its lowest after people had endured a December of accidentally answering the door to a canvasser because they thought it was an Amazon package. <laughs> Do you know what? That actually happened to me a few days ago. Oh god, I was, I was, I was literally, I was like, I was like, I was eating some wheat mix. And I heard the knock on the door. And, you know, a f- the days before, I was like, you know, uh, I, was, I was talking to the family, like, what do you want for Christmas? And I was saying, you know, trying to hook stuff up. And I've, I generally thought it was an Amazon package. So, you know, I heard the door, went forward, and I saw, like, a, just a suited, just like a suited dude, a couple years older than me, with, like, some blue, uh, uh, you know, brochure-like uh, pieces of uh, laminate paper. And I'm just like... Dip. I, I literally went past the window, and then I realised as soon as I was going to open the door, I put my hand. I, I literally put my hand onto the door handle, and then my brain finally just caught up with like caught up with what just happened. And I was, I was like, wait, blue, a a dark lightish shade of blue. White guy, in a suit. Shit, he's a Tory guy. <laughs> So I immediately took my hand off the door and I just stopped and I just like wait I just I just stood there just tried not to be trying not to make noise and then he just put the thing in the, the letterbox and I was like Phew I was so close. Oh I was so close. I nearly did it. But that legit, legit nearly happened to me. But anyway, continuing on. Then again, conservatives would say that the story of that the story of Christmas chimes with their values, as it involves a pregnant refugee being treated quite badly. <laughs> Fucking hell! The exit supporters uh, are surely among the most likely to get out and vote, especially now Jeremy Carl isn't on in the daytime anymore. <laughs> it was impossible to predict that the whole country would be thrown into crisis by middle-aged men outraged about Europe making decisions for them. These are people whose wives buy their socks. But I can understand their subsequent disillusionment. If 434 MPs vote for a general election, we instantly get one. If 0.14% of the populace vote for Boris Johnson, we instantly get him. But if 52% of the electorate vote for the exit, they get three years of what feels like trying to shit out a pool table. (laughs) Essentially, the exit has proved impossible to deliver. Turns out it's it's tricky for English voters to take back control of their borders when one of them is in someone else's country. Many people wish David Cameron had never called that referendum in the first place. It says a lot about how badly the past, the last couple of years have gone, that there's a guy who destroyed Libya, 
presided over needless austerity and fucked a pig, and we wish that he'd just use his own judgment. <laughs> oh, that is so glorious. That's so true as well. So true. Let's begin with the Tories. The cabinet is Dickensian in the purest sense, the sort of people who would need more than two ghosts to change their behaviour. After a cert- uncertain start, Jacob Rees-Mogg has had a pretty good campaign on board an Arctic clipper ship, uh, Arctic clipper ship uh, nailed into a coffin of earth from his constituency. It's interesting that someone who thinks ordinary people lack common sense is so heavily invested in upholding the result of a referendum. But like so many of so many lesser ironies in this election, we simply don't have the time. When people say the mask has slipped after various cabinet gaffes, there must be a moment where the minister wonders uh, whether they have accidentally come out wearing one of the actual masks they wear to the various eyes wide shut style parties that dot their social calendar at the time of uh, that dot their social calendar at the time of year, t- this time of year. Their fingers moving reflexively towards their face to see if they've worn the head of a golden ibis to talk to Philip Schofield. The Conservatives seem to have focused on the phrase, get the exit done, which is all the conviction of your dad hitting the arms of his chair and saying, right. <laughs> we, we've all had those people. It's not even like old dads. Like There are so many guys I know that just go, right. It's just perfect. You just know their inflection and, and like how tired they are when they just go, right, that's it. Uh, we also seem to be hearing a lot about unleashing Britain's potential, despite most of our potential being for food rights and perhaps some kind of race war. The Conservative Manifesto contains elements of both Thatcherism and Reaganism, in that it seems to have uh, been written by someone with dementia. Uh, there was probably a discussion about whether to release a manifesto at all, or simply airdrop scratch cards over key marginals. Oh, God. Uh, Boris Johnson. Who looks like something you'd keep your pajamas in? Uh, I don't even know what that means. And who no reasonable person would choose to lead them into a chorus has a strangely hunched demeanour. Perhaps from all the time he spends cram inside married uh, women's wardrobes, like a Randy Jack in a box. This confused sex yeti. <laughs> this confused sex yeti has been booed by nurses. People who can remove a dressing, examine a festering wound, and still look up at you with a smile. Has any party elected a new leader so tired and dated? With a delivery best approximated as a living checklist of stroke warnings, Jesus, his bumbling posho shtick, er, shtick, almost resembles buffering, a kind of 3G house. He doesn't even seem to enjoy it. Throughout the campaign, he sported a face that looks like it... Uh, excuse me, wipe, wipe my uh, sported a face that looks as if it has been kneaded by a baker going through a particularly bitter divorce. And the irony that comes into his eyes every time he crowbars in, in a catchphrase means that he breaks the fourth wall more than Deadpool. We thought the office of Prime Minister was what he lived for, his consuming ambition. It's all been like, uh, it's all been a bit like hearing Tony the Tiger talk about his diabetes. <laughs> Oh, this is great. Uh, Johnson's deep investment in democracy is highlighted by the fact that his government has uh, been dominated by an unelected special advisor. Usually people with level, uh, levels of mental activity as low as Johnson's aren't surrounded by advisors, but they're weeping parents and a member of their favourite boy band. 
Dominic Cummings looked like he works in television, which I think might be the worst thing you can say about anymore. Uh, anyone uh, has the air of a startled testicle <laughs> and the name of a character in a poor parody of the talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> Brackets, the talented Fister Ripley. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, crying, this is glorious. Uh, everyone who's bored with Johnson pretending to be an idiot should start look at, should look at Cummings and realise these people are far more dangerous when they pretend to be clever. It's perfectly obvious why Johnson has been able to take power. He has an instinctive grasp on the exit as a right-wing... Ooh, that's a good word. Esch- eschatology. Eschatology. Amazing word. Uh, he's, he, and he's used to getting his own way be it in the halls of Westminster or elbowing siblings off of Danny's nipples. Uh, it's only when you look at the hideous tarot formed by his cabinet that you get a true picture of the, of the depravity into which we are sinking. Take Michael Gove. <sighs> God. Uh, a revenchist? A revenchist? Revenchist? Revenchist endorsement? Okay, I'm just going to continue. Uh, endorsement of the science of... Jesus, man. Physio- physiognomy. Physiognomy. Wow, these words are amazing. Uh, in any other era, Gove would have been as uniquely unctuous, unlikable, and profoundly talented, talentless figure. Now he's hardly even remarkable. Gove, looking like someone took all the flesh out of a serial killer's drains and forced it into some brogues, like Davros fell out of his Dalek, <laughs> like a rush cartoon of a horny snail. <laughs> Is somehow not the worst person in cabinet, or even his own marriage. Against pushbacks from Sajid Javid and Priti Patel, Dominic Raab is attempting to uh, get up to 60 British children from camps in northern Syria before they freeze to death over the winter. That Raab, the flesh suit of a sentient virus with a forehead vein like a B&B kettle cord. <laughs> oh shit, is somehow the more heart. Of this entire enterprise tells you all you need to know. In all likelihood, you'll be praying that they prorogue the next parliament. Okay. I'm just going to, for, for my insanity, because I'm just crying laughing. I'm just going to read the last two paragraphs and call it a day. Because I'm absolutely dying here. And I'm trying not to stop, like, the recorded, just to, like, you know, compose myself. Because I feel like, you know, you know, just might as well keep it natural. Oh, my days. This is great. I urge you lot to go read the rest of this, but I'm just going to read the last uh, couple of paragraphs just just to just to finish it off, because I can't get through all this without creasing. Okay, I don't want to end on a note of pessimism. Instead, I'd like to share with you my two favourite quotes. The first is a really famous one. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut asked his adult son what he thought the meaning of life life was, and his son replied, "Quote: We are here to help each other get through this thing, whatever it is." Unquote. The second is what David Chase, the creator of The Sopranos, said about the ending of the final episode, Jesus. Quote, Well, what Tony should have been thinking, I guess, and what we should all be thinking, although we can't live that way, is that life is really short, and there are good times in it, and there are bad times in it, and that we don't know why we're here, but we do know that 20 miles up is freezing cold, is a freezing cold universe. But here we have this thing called love, which is our only defence really against all that cold, and that uh, it's a very brief interval, and in and that when it's over, I think you're probably uh, always blindsided by it, unquote. 
20 miles up, it's a freezing cold universe. We only have the human connections we make here. Nothing is permanent, and our love is and love is our only defense. I suggest we all vote accordingly and try to help each other as we get through this thing, whatever it is. Okay, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we shall end it there. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been an, another episode of What's Good. I I need to wipe my eyes from all the from all the water coming out. Uh, I know water isn't actually the logical name for it, but you know what I mean. Oh boy, that is amazing. Frankie Boyle is a legend, man. Absolute G. Absolute G. But yes, like I said, I don't want to predict what's going to happen tomorrow as I record this, or in the next two days as I record this, and tomorrow as this episode drops. I don't want to predict, okay? I have hopes, you know, and that's all I can, that's all I can do at this point, um... Sometimes if I feel like generally powerless when it comes to things like this and, you know, democracy as a whole, um, it can be very despairing. But at the end of the day, all I can do at this particular point in time is just to tell you guys, go vote, always vote, it doesn't, not even like now, but just for the future, always vote. Um, all it is is just a walk down the road and ticking and uh, either ticking a box or putting an X for it. Get a pen. Don't use the pencil. I always bring a Sharpie. Excuse me. Um, and yeah, that's all I can really say. Um, you got you guys have had like a month of everyone, you know, either chatting complete shit or. Um, saying stuff that just isn't logical or isn't feasible or whatever. And, you know, with all the information we can get, it is always trumped by the amount of shit we can get as well. In terms of, like, you know, what we see on the internet and what we just see in terms of, you know, information. For all the good information we can get from all this, there is a ton of shit information there. And it's just up to you to be honest to just be to just use common sense and to just go okay i like the sound of that but let me look into it some more you know don't tr- don't just trust what's in the manifestos and you know what you what you get through your letterbox if you want to vote for whoever regardless do your research on them as well you know if you're thinking about going for this person, okay, let me look into this person right quick. Let me look into this party right quick, you know? just It takes like 10 minutes to get clued up on simple things. And, you know, obviously you have a, you've had a whole... We've had a whole month to fall of this. But, you know, that's all I could say on it. Um, as, I guess, advice. But to be honest, I feel very powerless at, the, at this point in time as I speak. Um, I can do what I can do. You know, I have my podcast to talk about things like this sometimes when I feel like it, when I feel like it's important. You know, I could talk about it every week, but honestly, I don't want to talk about it every week. But with that said, um, it's always something that is there. And why I'm, I'm happy about out of all of this is that I feel like as a country, we're much more invested, I think, um, into it all. Um, I don't. I don't really remember five years ago. You know where we people in my circle t- 
talked about politics. And obviously, five years ago, I was what? How old? Like seventeen. <laughs> so you know, take eighteen. Take that. Take that with a grain of salt, obviously. But you know, still, the fact that you know people are talking about it more, and you know, there's conversations about lowering the voting age and stuff like that. I find it kind of hopeful in a sense in the long term, but in the short term, I just do feel a bit eh. And you know, I have my hopes, like I said, but. Whatever happens is what it is, and uh, past that, just do what you can, and just keep doing you. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, I will end it there from the Fifth Friend Podcast Network. I've been Charlie Taylor, and this has been what's good. Intro music is Too Much by Vanilla. Interlude music is Vista by Poldor. You can find both of their music platforms, uh, Bandcamp platforms, in the links in the description below. Shout out to Chill Records and Chill Music for the ability to use this music. You can also find their latest work, Winter Essentials. Going to listen to that later, sir. Uh-huh. So going to listen to that later. And I'm actually going to be part of their pen pools, uh little initiative they got going. It's like pen pals, basically, but they call it pen pools because their mascot's like a raccoon, so pools. And yeah, it's gonna be quite fun. It's gonna be quite fun. I'm sending like uh, postcards to like people from Germany and Belgium and the US. It's gonna be fascinating. I'm gonna get some back as well, so um, it's kind of exhilarating. But anyway, uh, <laughs> that's just that's just me, and that's just gonna be my weekend. Uh, but um, yeah, go vote. Do all of that. Using just you got knowledge. You got the knowledge all in front of you, on your phone. Use it. But other than that. Have a good week, everybody. I shall always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen.